Hey, hey, everybody, it's Scooter. Happy Thanksgiving if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. And but if you if you're if you're going to do any shopping, a huge way to help the podcast during the holiday season is use our uh, Amazon link, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Amazon. And that's what if you use the same Amazon you always use, they just give us a percentage. It'll go straight to Amazon. You won't even know that it'll take you there. The same Amazon you use, it'll just give us a small percentage of your purchases, like a commission, I guess, is what I think that's what you'd say it is. But if you can do that, as long as two caveats, if you have a charity that already has an Amazon link, please use theirs. Or if you have a school, you know, like a local school, you use that one. But if you don't have either one of those, use ours. Well, you know, keep Sleep With Me Podcast, the third choice in your Amazon links. And I'd say, you know, I was just talking to someone about the fourth estate today. And I was just thinking when I said that, I said, well, we're like the third estate of podcasting because you, you have your you have your driving to work podcast. You have your driving home from work podcast. Those will be the first and second podcast estates. So you'd have something, you know, high quality. And, and then you say bedtime's the third estate. And they say, geez, I got to get to and from work. Maybe I'd be the fourth. Maybe we're the fifth estate. Because you're doing dishes or cleaning. That would be maybe your third estate. And then, you know, the time you have for pleasure be fourth estate, you know, podcast pleasure. And then so fourth, fourth, fifth, third, fourth, whatever it is, you know, put a third, please. I thank you so much. And let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you've got to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain. Whatever's racing through your brain, whatever's had you up tossing and turning. I'm going to try to distract you from that. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones, uh, pointless meanders, extra long introductions that you can always skip, you know. And don't forget to set your sleep timers. Those of you that use a sleep timer, don't worry if you forgot and you're already comfortable, though. But what I'm going to do is to try to take your mind off of whatever is going on with your mind, body, spirit, or emotions. You know, whether however your Thanksgiving went or, you know, if you're thinking about the holidays or thinking about holidays of old or thinking about the next few weeks... Or you maybe had a wonderful Thanksgiving, you don't want to go to sleep, you're so, or or God forbid, you had coffee. And old Aunt Bernice said, oh no, this is decaf, that's what I brought, decaf coffee. I mean, she really brought espresso, ultra, or you're just nervous. There was this one time, and this is another thing I don't, I tend to go on many pointless meanders like this. Uh, There was this one time, uh, and I didn't learn this lesson I was an, as an adult, but I wasn't 21. And I went out to dinner. This is when I lived in New York City. New York, New York, so nice they named it twice. And I think I was 19, 18, 19 years old. I wasn't 21. 
and my parents weren't cool with underage drinking, but we went out with my godfather and his wife, and my mother and my father, and I think we were going to a Broadway show, or maybe we went to one, or maybe, no, I guess not, we just went to dinner. Maybe we had gone to a matinee, and we met my godfather and his wife for dinner, and it was the first time I'd eaten at a very fancy restaurant. And it would probably be the, it would be the last time for for a long time. Not that not to you know for my family eating out would would be at Pizza Hut back when Pizza Hut. No offense, I don't think you're going to sponsor the podcast anyway. But when your pizza was good before the delivery business, when they used to make the pizzas, not unfreeze them. But uh, I didn't mean to do a pizza rant. I'm sorry. Um, but so we went out to this fancy dinner, and I, you know, it was used to. I said maybe I had like one glass of wine, but that was it. But I was a little nervous. It was a real nice restaurant, and then we had coffee afterwards, and it was four adults and me. And I remember just drinking coffee because I was uncomfortable with the quality of the restaurant, quality of conversation. And I, I I drank at least four or five cups of coffee, which I can do in a normal day, but this was seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. Then we went out for drinks afterwards, but I wasn't allowed to drink. Uh, and then I went back to my parents' hotel, and I was supposed to sleep on the couch instead of going back to my to the Bronx where I went to school. And I remember I could not sleep. It was the worst. And uh, I guess a, 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 I, mean, I should have just left my parents' hotel room and had gone and done something. But I didn't. And uh, it was just too much coffee. Wow, that was a long, boring tangent. I Hopefully I lost some of you there because that, that was maybe one of the most boring personal stories I've ever told. I don't tell tons of personal stories. Uh, but when I do, you know, they're at least somewhat interesting that was but but it's a lesson learned you know don't drink too much coffee but if you did this with this podcast is here for maybe to distract you from thinking about it because then you start thinking about the coffee you drank then you wonder if you could feel it all those things i want to take your mind off of that and so you're just talking about it. How are you going to take me? Well, okay, I'm going to transition here to squirrels. How's that sound? We'll go from coffee to squirrels because I had a squirrel encounter today. Every once in a while, if you're new to the podcast, I'll go on a little tangents here. Attempts at metaphors, metaphor-like tangents. And sometimes I go on tangents about squirrels because I have squirrels that live by my place. And today it's Sunday that I'm recording this, and it's Sunday night, but I was working on the podcast. I had to give my dog a bath. I had a bunch of other stuff. I don't think I did any other stuff. But at some point after my dog's bath, I wanted her to stay in the sun and get dried off. Because I'm lucky to live in Northern California. It was a nice warm day. Not Southern California warm, but, but seasonably warm. So my dog's lying in the sun. I'm sitting on this bench working on the podcast. And my dog is very, she's not aggressive towards squirrels. Sometimes they make her cry. Sometimes they make her bark. Sometimes she chases after them. But there's a few squirrels that live by right by my place. And this one came out, and I was telling my dog, I was like, just stay here on your little towel and dry off, please. And I was giving her treats. I said, you know, stay, lie down, and then I'd give her a treat. 
So then I said, well, she's a teachable moment here with the squirrel. She's already, like, being conditioned. I said, okay, relax. Don't bug the squirrel. The squirrel is not going to bug you. Now, again, I did not mean to lie to my dog. So I said, just stay here. So this squirrel proceeds. And I, this isn't a, um, a gross be- squirrel behavior at all. And I'm not a squirrel, you know, I'm not a squirrel psychologist. I'm not a, you know, squirrel studier. But this was... Um, Bizarre squirrel behavior, non-aggressive bizarre. I mean, the squirrel was definitely wondering if my dog would play with it or taunting my dog for a while. Then it got sick of that. Or maybe it was watching my dog. And the squirrel, and I don't know if this is correct use of prostrate, but so I live in a four-unit building, and I'm facing the garage of my apartment building where my dog is lying. To the left is like a four- to six-unit building, and there's a fence in between, a wooden fence. And the squirrel's playing on that wooden fence. And then it just lies down on the fence. So its belly's on the fence. And its legs were on either side of the fence. And it's just lying there. I wondered if it was injured for a while because it was, uh, but it was just totally chilling. I think it's actually what it was doing. Even its tail was lying there. And it was just chilling there. And I wanted to take its picture, but then I was like, well, who am I to disturb a chilling squirrel? And then I said, is the dog, is the squirrel modeling my dog's behavior? Is this some other form of taunting? And then the squirrel moved again, and then my dog started driving Koa nuts. But she was still a good girl. She listened. And I said, leave it, leave it. And then the squirrel took off. Now the squirrel actually did not leave. I said, okay, now I'll get back to work. You can get back to laying in the sun. Here's a treat. But the squirrel went around our back of our garage and went to the other side of our building, which has another fence, and then there's a, a vacant lot next door. And then the squirrel, there was another squirrel, so they did a little flirting or a little, hey, what's up, you know, let's do some jumping around each other. And then one of the squirrels proceeded to start eating a crab apple, and the other one, the same one, lied on the fence once again on a different fence. And to be honest, I said, this one's probably more, I said this to the squirrel, I said, that's a much better choice because the other fence was a little narrow. This one was a two-by-four uh, on the four, so it was lying on the four-inch side. So I said, that's a way better stomach, you know. So the squirrel's just lying there. But meanwhile, you know, I don't know. And then it proceeded to, you know, oh, I got irritated. I said, calm down. And then the squirrels, you know, I talk to the squirrel. It doesn't talk back. But, you know, I said, but, but anyway, this is the podcast a little bit, but with your brain and your body and your emotions. I tried to just sit there on the bench talking to you, just like I talked to the dog or the squirrel. But, but I, And I realize you're much, you know, more evolved and you have, your, you know, way more brain power and stuff. So I don't talk down to you like you're a dog or a squirrel. I mean, as a matter of fact, I was talking up to the squirrel. And, I, and if I had to put myself, I would say I'm probably lower than a dog and a squirrel. But anyway, because he's a I said, man, what could be more wonderful than watching a dog lying in the sun and some squirrels screwing around? It was really pleasurable uh, while I was working on the podcast. It's nice of them to think to put on a little mini show for me. And that's kind of what I do. I put on a little mini show, try to take your mind off whatever's been keeping you up, all that coffee or whatever it is. 
it's a little bit silly, strange. I mean, some of you might be like, is this guy, he sits in the backyard and watches squirrels. Isn't that what people do after they lose their teeth? You know, I thought you had to be retired to squirrel watch. Does he feed the squirrels? No, 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 I do not. There was a, they, they, were, they were looking pretty, we've got some sort of nut-based tree over the vacant lot and then a crab apple tree. So these squirrels are living the fat life. But that's what I want to do. I just want to take your mind off of it. As pleasant as, I want you to be the squirrel chilling you know, chilling there in the sun, or the dog, or let's just say there's a cat in the picture. There's not. My upstairs neighbor, she has cats. They're indoor cats. And I'm allergic, so so I haven't encountered them, but I'm sure they're just out there chilling too. And maybe something about my voice, something about my manner is suited towards keeping dogs and cats and squirrels chill. I mean, that squirrel could, could have been doing anything and said, hey, I'm going to this, this oddball's here looking at me. I, I'll, I'll chill for a while. And that's all I ask. If you're having trouble sleeping, give this podcast a couple of shots. If it doesn't work for you, you know, I'm sorry. But I hope it does. I hope you lie there in bed feeling like a chilling squirrel, but so much more comfortable. And I hope you slowly drift off into dreamland. I'm going to send my voice, I'm going to send my our heart, my intention across the deep, dark night. And I'm going to try to escort you across the threshold to sleep, if I can, you know, in the most distracting, you know, lulling, soothing way I can. But most of all, I'm glad you're here. And I really hope I help you fall asleep. Thanks for coming by. All right, Thursday, housekeeping. I'm going to go through it real quick. We're on websleepwithmepodcast.com, www or not. You can comment on the website. You can email me, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. You can get me on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, we've got a Facebook group over at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods, N-O-D-S. And you can join that, and that's a little more private discussion than the entire Internet where you can talk about sleep stuff and make friends with other listeners. And I want to thank our moderators over there. Lida, Rachel LG, Julie C, Jennifer B, Laura, and Alexandra. Uh, did I already think Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful, who not only made the music but edited and produced this podcast episode, ladies and gentlemen? So, holy mackerel, collaboration uh, has started to unfold, so let him know. Uh, wish him well. And tell them job well done. And uh, I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork, our original, the original collaborators that started, you know, let's help Scoots make it a little bit more professional around here. So our beautiful artwork is done by Scotty and Jennifer. We've got a subreddit over on, on Reddit, uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Reddit, Tacos Choice, a.k.a. Latitude's running that. And I think they said, I hope you're having a wonderful long weekend, those of you in the USA and those of you across the world. You know, we're a bunch of turkeys over here eating our French fries, which in this case we call stuffing and mashed potatoes. But I really I thank you all so much for all the support, all the participation, and all the sleeping. 
Because if you weren't falling asleep, I'd probably still be doing this podcast. Well, actually, no, I probably wouldn't. I, don't, I said I would do it for two years, and we were past the two-year mark, or well past it, kind of. Or a month past it, almost. But I said, geez, you know, uh, so I don't know if, if no one was listening and no one was falling asleep. I would have just changed it to, the, you know, podcast stories beyond the odd or something. I don't know. But it's going great. And it's because all of you, I can't do it without your help. And I really appreciate it. And your help is just listening in, in to the podcast and then whatever other great stuff you do. So thanks. Let's get on to the show. Hey, everybody, this is Scooter and Pride present our uh, holiday season series, untitled as of right now. And I'm going to pass things over. Believe it or not, this show came to me packaged and done. Uh, and I'm going to pass things over to the person who's done all the hard work. And it's not a studio thing, so this is the first time I've handed things off to a uh, to a correspondent, and not a paid correspondent, uh, uh, a pursuer of truth and justice, or maybe just truth. I don't know. This is the first. I'm cracking the cracking the. You know, I'm, I'm listening to these tapes as they come in. Uh, so I'm gonna pass it over, and maybe. There'd be some music or something, I don't know. Uh, but here it is, our untitled for now, Holiday Series Episode 1. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Claude Neon, and I'm here to tell you a story that I've uncovered. And I'm happy to have this platform to do it, and I appreciate your time. And I appreciate this forum to to tell what I've slowly uncovered over the past uh, few years. Now, I'm not a professional journalist. I, I dreamed one day of making a big, a big scoop or a big splash. And but but those dreams are past. But that's a distraction from from the story at hand. So my name's Claude Neon, and I'm here to share a story. That all of us are probably pretty familiar with. Because this story started for me just last year with the ascension of Roberta Claus and then the corresponding after all the events of the spring and the summer. The eventual, I wouldn't say it was a disappearance of Roberta Claus, but a withdrawal from the public eye of Roberta Claus. And I know there's a lot of stories out there about Roberta Claus and the legend of Santa Claus. And, and, and this is my version of looking into the story. And we all have to agree. Because for me, it wasn't about all the noise. It wasn't about all the things. It, it, was, it was a curiosity. Where did Roberta Claus go? And what was she doing? And that was the only questions I had and the answers I wanted at the time. There was one more question I had sitting in the back of my mind, which was, you know, if if I could find Roberta Claus, what was she doing? And what was happening with Christmas? There was all these corresponding viewpoints 
around Christmas. And, but mostly I just wanted to know where she was and what she was doing. Because I kept asking myself, why did Roberta Claus leave and where did she go? And as I started to search the details of my search and how I tracked her down, aren't important. It's about me and the internet in my gut, but I eventually found Roberta Claus. But maybe I should stop and talk about what led us up to this point. For anyone that's out there that might have only one viewpoint of what has happened in the past year, or if someone's listening to this down the road, well, I want to catch us up on the events of the past 12 months. Or maybe even if we jump back, now over the past 5 to 10 years, or over my entire lifetime, people have been asking themselves the question, is Santa Claus real? And of course, this is all a process every child goes through, every parent goes through with their children. But in the past five to ten years, things have become a little more foggy and less clear, or, or maybe more clear, and people blame the Internet and always on technology and cameras. But over the past five years, more and more things have led people to believe to believe that Santa Claus was real. He's been caught on tape. And more and more eyewitness accounts. There's been more and more video accounts. And some would say undeniable proof of his sleigh in the air, of flying reindeer, of elves, of impossible physical feats, of gifts being brought to remote places to children who had nothing, of Christmas miracles... And of course, for every report that's cropped up, there's been people counteracting those reports, saying they're leaked movies, Hollywood magic, forgeries, lies. But for those of us who who, who have an inquiry into this Santa Claus, who wonder, is he real? Is this real? The frequency of the reports has increased, and, and, and the fact that it's been happening has become undeniable. So we're left with a few conclusions to be drawn. Uh, any of these are popular. Santa Claus is real, and he's being caught on tape more and more uh, because of technology. Santa Claus is not real, but reports are, are being faked of him more and more because of technology. But there's been other reports over the past few years, maybe the past decade, that Santa Claus had returned from somewhere, that Santa Claus was real. And and some of you may have watched that famous, now uh, very hard to track down, uh, supposed Christmas special, possible documentary, Now they say it's like faking the moon landing about the 1950s attacks on the North Pole by the United States government. 
and some would say that at that time Santa Claus withdrew and continued on serving Christmas, but in some sort of remote or stealth level of capability, or that he withdrew from the world entirely. And, and some would theorize that all these current sightings, the increased level of his sightings, is due to increased activity from Santa Claus himself. Now those events led us to this past Christmas where Santa Claus's presence was nearly ubiquitous and undeniable. There was countless reports, interviews. Oh, he didn't do any in-person interviews, but on-the-spot interviews, Santa's showing up at events, and people were baffled, and people were divided. But it was also undeniable that a lot of people were starting to believe in him. And children around the world were filled with this new fangled joy, which I can see uh, put a lot of parents in an awkward place. And some would say that this past Christmas was a pinnacle event for many people meeting Santa Claus, getting gifts that had no explainable giver. All of us have friends that have told us that Elmau, not everyone was visited by Mr. Claus or Mr. Kringle, but many people were affected by this wonderful thing, and, and, and a lot of people asked why. And then the rumors started that it was a farewell tour, and even Santa Claus, when pressed, would, would say he, he would avoid the question or laugh like a bowl full of jelly, whatever they say about these things. But we can't lead into the pinnacle of joy without the events of a few months later, when word came out of the North Pole in just February that Santa Claus had passed on. And this had been something in all of the lore and mainstream uh, fiction or semi-fiction, however you want to describe it, about Santa Claus. The passing of Santa Claus is not something the, the public found uh, understandable, maybe not even palatable, but, but almost incomprehensible. And it seemed the North Pole was prepared for these things because they... Let us know about the, uh, well, all of you are familiar with the, about the intergenerational passing and the, all of the backstory about Santa Claus and how, yes, he lived longer than humans, but he was a human. And how, like some stories, he did choose sometimes his progeny and sometimes someone else to take over for him as he would age out. But all this was happening secretly in the North Pole. And this is over, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of years or some such thing. But this last Santa, he was there for this 1950s battle where the United States government tried to take over his North Pole. And then we had the world mourn for the passing of Santa Claus. And it seemed to be 
something cathartic and something orchestrated in a way to empower that catharsis and empower some grieving. And many said this was Santa Claus's choice. I mean, we we all heard Mrs. Claus speak and Roberta Claus speak and some of the, the, the members of the Elven Guilds speak in the powerful words as they toured the world and in turn to Santa so people could say goodbye to him. And the world, I don't know if it's, I suffered, I know, with the passing of Santa, but it also opened up this, I don't know if wonderful is the right word, but this dialogue between adults and adults and children and children about loss, about grief, about the stages of grief and about our feelings. I know many people who would never speak to each other about such deep things were able to connect on what they were going through with the loss of Santa, and it became a a winter not of discontent, just a winter of mourning Santa Claus, you know. And this report isn't about this. This is a report just to catch you up. I know all of us had our own experiences and our own way of dealing with the outpouring of service to others. While it was short-lived, there was some sort of residual effect in the the sending of things to the North Pole and the way the children... I, I don't know, I wonder if I was an anthropologist and not who I am. What will be the effects down the road? Will these children be more emotionally able to grapple with these things? But there was also some pushback that this was all a fiction, that there was conspiracies behind this that this was a pseudo-religion. But we all remember that. And, but it seemed that this event brought out a, a, almost a new face. It had been a while since the world had lost a leader so universally beloved or majority beloved. We also know that uh, moving forward from, from the loss of Santa, uh, that he had shared by video message as he, at the, the peak of his illness that he was passing on uh, the, the physical and the proverbial reins to a new Santa. And after the passing of Santa, these videos were sent out to the world. And Roberta Gloss was eventually revealed to the world. But, but maybe now's not the right time to talk about uh, the passing of the reins of Roberta Gloss. Because eventually I did track down Roberta Gloss on my search to find her. I found where she was. I found where she was staying. And, and the details aren't important. It could be a uh, a Caribbean island, or it could be an apartment in a, in a huge city. But I found her, and I found her, and she was alone. And at first she, she tried to deny who she was and deny me access, but I told her I was not leaving. 
And she said, what do you want? And I said, Robert, I want to speak with you. I, I want answers. And I, I want my curiosity quelched, or w w however you would refer to it. And I think you would understand that. And she smiled. And I had seen her many times on TV and rewatched her reports over and over as I thought about this story and wondered... But seeing her eyes up close, there was something so uh, gentle and loving about those eyes. As I stood there on her door, trying to black, even black my entrance into her place, there was something so kind and gentle. It, it, it gave me, a, it made me feel like a child with the warm sun on his face. But I still wanted my answers, of course. But also it was clear to me that she seemed to have a, a, I don't know if a bottomless heart is a good thing, but in this case, it was clear to me, being close to her at those moments, I, I said, this is Santa Claus, or Roberta Claus in a more general sense, and actually Roberta Claus. So she, she she wouldn't grant me an on-mic interview, but we sat down. And she said, well, what is it exactly you want to know? And I said, well, I think I already have my answers as I looked around. And my worst fears in some sense were confirmed because there was no secret supercomputer to the North Pole. There didn't seem to be any hidden you know, secret doorways, or there was no bookcase that could be swung into a North Pole command center. And while her eyes were full of some sort of uh, limitless love and support, there was also something else there, crowding around her eyes and around her cheeks, a sadness. Uh, something more, I didn't know if it was fear or pain or both things, but it was there around her face. And she said, oh, sit down, what is it? What did you want to see? She could tell I was looking at her, and I said, I wanted to see if you were still fighting for Christmas, Roberta. If you were still pushing for Christmas, if you still had the Christmas spirit. And she said to me, those are many different things. There's a big difference between fighting for Christmas and loving Christmas and having the Christmas spirit. And she said, I want to help answer your questions. And I also want to know why you're here. And I felt... Uh, transparent for a second because I had been, you know, covering up some of my motivations with her. And she said, tell me what happened and tell me why you're really here. Now, before I tell you that, some of you might be like, I don't know who Roberta Claus is. This is uh, 2026 and now we are all robots and we have no you know, we're, we're robots listening, so all of you, or maybe you're androids, or some sort of human-plant hybrid, 
Roberta Claus had taken over for Santa Claus after Santa Claus's passing. In the late winter, early spring of last year, and she toured the world on a, a tour of goodwill, bringing presents, and cities would be surprised, or areas would be surprised, with a magical Christmas night in the middle of March or April or May, or even June. And Roberta toured the world, giving away gifts and, and uh, spending time smiling, if for a brief time the world embraced her. But deep down, people said, I don't understand. And I think people wanted Santa's reassurance or some sort of reassurance or something. And I think that we all know what happened after that. There became this great backlash against Roberta Claus. And it became... I've never seen the tide turn in such a way against a public figure who had just recently risen to prominence. But as we all know, Roberta Claus began to fracture people's opinions on Christmas and Santa Claus very quickly. Groups started to form, or, 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 or groups started to just take up issue with Roberta Claus, whether it was that she and, and Santa Claus in Christmas was against their belief system or an alternative or disrespectful or that she had some secret agenda or that she wasn't acceptable for some sort of reason beyond, but they would find a reason. And, and the people that, they said, well, I don't have, you know, I don't have to like Roberta Claus and also... People took up uh, took up issue with the consumerism of Christmas and Roberta became a, a symbol of the wastefulness. And even the North Pole became a place of, 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 of a hoarding of energy, of resources. And all of a sudden, wherever Roberta Claus went, or even where she wasn't, it was a constant stream of chatter about Roberta Claus. And, and to say she was it was unfair would be an understatement, but to say it, it happened in so many different pockets, it wasn't one unified movement against her, but all these different groups, uh, and, and it just seemed to gather steam into the summer, and as the late fall came. People started talking about, you know, boycotting Christmas or boycotting gift-giving or only doing gift-giving within this traditional framework that Christmas and Santa Claus were out, that reindeer were out, and people started warning the major retailers of the world that, you know, not to, you know, stock anything having to do with Christmas and definitely not anything to do with Roberta Claus. And there was an element of hate and meanness to all this. But and also an element of, of group mob mentality, even though it was fractured. 
And, and I, I've sat many times and wondered about it. Was it that we hadn't healed from the grieving process? Was it this element of were even the adults caught up in some sort of childlike analysis of the situation? Was it some sort of universal self-hatred that was being projected onto Roberta Gloss? What had triggered this? Or was it we were just unable to handle change and loss? Was it the economic conditions of the past 20, 30, 50 thousands of years that was being, that suddenly Roberto Gillespie did become a lightning for all the lightning rod for all those things? And as these things go, things quickly started to escalate. And that's when Roberto Gillespie stepped in as people tried to find the North Pole. You know, some of the people in the United States uh, Congress started to lobby for invasion of the North Pole, and some of them seemed serious about it. Uh, People started to wonder if they were stealing energy or there was some energy source. Was it a threat to the United States and the national security of the world? You know, did Roberta Claus possess things that could get into the hand? All sorts of noise, 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 noise. And under the noise was the fear in something, dare I say, uglier. But I think that no one, almost like a stain in the mirror you don't want to look at. So you just look beyond and see Roberta Claus. But as uh, as things turned uglier and uglier, Roberta Claus uh, relented, and Roberta Claus was very public about trying to get her message out that she yes she, she would uh, step down, but but uh, that people's understanding of uh, Santa Claus and Roberta Claus and her ability to explain it all was limited in that by her stepping out of the spotlight, of stepping down that Christmas was to be stepped down. And then we had the world vote for, you know, Christmas, which, yes, it was symbolic, but it, it did have, a, a bit, you know, billions of votes, and most of them were for Roberta Claus. And Christmas uh, to not go on, and even the children of the world, whether it was at the behest of their parents or their schools, it seemed that we now suddenly lived in a world that didn't want Christmas, and they became hostile. And Roberta Claus said she wanted to respect what people wanted, and and if she was going to be the object that she would withdraw herself so that people could enjoy the holidays with their families, and that she wanted everyone to be safe, and, and that she understood. And there was many more. I, I, I just I guess I can't go on forever about this, uh, because I, I want to get to what I talked to Roberta Claus about here, up next here. So the next recordings I made were on location 
right after I talked to Roberta Claus. Okay, so I just spoke with Roberta Claus, and as I told you, she she seemed most interested, and she kept saying to me, what it is that you want? I said, Roberta, let me tell you that uh, what, what's driving me here is make you, I, I thought you were behind something, and in some sense I'm dis, dis, disappointed to learn because I, I actually, I guess part of me came out of curiosity, and part of me came because something that happened when I was a young boy, and I don't, I'm not comfortable talking about this either. On the show, or even to Roberta Claus, but she seemed to know. I, 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 to tell you people, but at, at some point, and I, I know some of you may be listening to this, and, and you might not believe any of this. You might be in the camp that all of this Santa Claus and Roberta Claus stuff isn't real. But I am a believer, because one Christmas Eve when I was a boy, Santa Claus saved me. He saved my life. And while I'm not comfortable filling in the details, and yes, I've lived my life wondering, was it just a man in a Santa suit? Was it all, but the events were real. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the actions taken by Santa Claus that night. And as I grew older, I began to accept the fact that that was Santa Claus, and I did become obsessed with these reappearances and seeing him one more time. And when he passed, I was devastated that I never got to see him again. But that Christmas Eve when he saved me, and I, I was speechless, he said to me, he held me. And his, I remember how warm his hands were even through his gloves as he held me to him. And he said, one day you might have the chance to save me or save Christmas. And I know you'll be up to it. You're a brave young man. And that's all I'm comfortable saying about the events of that night. And it's not because of what happened was was horrible or dark, but I, I do believe I have some decorum. And it wasn't anything terrifying or scary, but... He, he saved me, and I said, I will, Santa. If you need me to save Christmas, I will. So that was part of the reason I told Roberta Claus that I had come. Because, and then I sat down and I said to Roberta Claus, you know, I said, I saw you were behind the secret Santa stuff. That you were behind the scenes, because as some of you, you may, may or may not know, but... As the backlash against Roberta Claus grew and it looked more and more, and as the build-up to the vote on Christmas came, the children started talking about another Santa Claus, about this secret Santa. And some people may have heard the rumors or seen the graffiti or little notes. And some of the notes were left by secret Santa. There were reports that the notes weren't in the parents saying this isn't in my children's writing. And again, this was used as ammo against Roberta Claus, but it, it stayed underground, and most people said it was just a way of children's coping. 
with the loss of Santa and the confusion around Roberta Claus. And again, it was heaped on Roberta to say, well, this is their way of coping with, with her not being up to being Santa or some such thing. But I held on to this as a sign that you were still fighting, Roberta, and that you were out there somewhere, and that you were Secret Santa. And as I told Roberta Cross, as her face lost all color, and at first I thought it was because of the... I said, I'm not taking a harsh tone, but I said, my disappointment can't be that impactful for Roberta. But I said, what is it, Roberta? What, 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 why are you so upset? And she said, you said, she said, Secret Santa is real. And I told her about some of the, you know, the beliefs children have because Secret Santa was, was more into the naughty or the nice of getting the children who had misbehaved. And it, it seemed to be seeped in this uh, folk war with the, all, all the other characters, like Krampus and Ruprecht and Bell Snickles and all sorts of things from European folklore. But, but again, and as I started to track it, I realized it was worldwide, and that's why I thought Roberta Claus was behind it. But it had been like a game of telephone with the children instilling their own belief systems, but I had trusted she was the one. So as I saw her pale face, I, I, I may have become pale-faced myself. And Roberta Claus said, well, I'm going to need your help. And I said, well, you know, what do you mean, Roberta? She said, I didn't withdraw from Christmas to run away or to fix my bruised ego. Or just to regroup, she goes, I pulled out to observe what was going to happen. To give people some space and to figure out how to fix things. She goes, because maybe it was too close to the passing of Santa Claus. But she's like, I'm not withdrawn here. And she goes, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure things, I was trying to figure things out. And give people a holiday season of their own. What I didn't realize was that my retreat had created a void so quickly. But she said to me, I'm going to need your help because I didn't come here to run away or withdraw. I came here to observe, to give the world some space without me, without Santa, without Christmas to see what would happen and then to see how I could fix things. I was going to give them their year without Christmas, not as a punishment, not as a test, uh, but I was willing to accept it, I guess, and, and say, okay, what can we adjust? What do you, I, my job is to serve uh, Christmas and the people. It's too complicated to explain, she said. But she said, I'm going to need your help because now I realize my error. For my absence has created a void. And I didn't realize how rapidly that void would be filled. 
And I said, I, I said, I didn't understand. And she said, you, you don't need to. She, you see, she said, Santa warned me. Not about a secret Santa. About a force that could be the opposite of Santa, or the opposite of Christmas. Here's the thing. I don't, I don't know if you watched Star Trek, Roberta Claus said to me. Now, I'm Claude Neon. Believe it or not, I've not seen very much Star Trek. But she said, that's too bad, because uh, Spock had this wonderful speech about matter and antimatter that we could have done together. But it, it's, it's Spock's speech, so I'll have to make my own. But she explained to me that Santa and, and Christmas, even when Santa you know, had to somewhat be away from the world, she said, this, see, this isn't unprecedented since the 1950s. Santa's only partially been involved. You know, people haven't really believed in him. And even though it was towards the end of his days, this particular Santa Claus, he decided it was time to return to the world slowly. But he was still actively involved, and people still wanted to believe and participate. But something's different now. You know, people have withdrawn or... Or maybe she goes, I don't understand it yet. But Santa was so powerful, so beloved, so good of heart. And the belief was so, well, it wasn't universal and it wasn't true belief. It was so powerful and had so much momentum that it crowded everything out. Any anti-matter, any anti-Santa Santa created a, a voidless space. He filled it all up. So there was nowhere for this darkness to exist. Now, sure, there is human uh, foibles and human pain and suffering, but that is a different thing entirely than the oppositional force to Santa. There was no room for that force to grow or even... Well, I guess I maybe fell into it. Santa had warned me that it could exist out there and to always be stoking the Christmas fires. But it seems I, I, I judged wrongly. Maybe I should. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe this was inevitable. And this is what's going to drive us forward, uh, Claude. Roberta was so neutrally confident is the only way I could describe it. You know, somewhere in this void, my withdrawal and the withdrawal of the people or the pushback, a pestilence seems to start to grow. I suspect the secret Santa is not child's play. And I suspect that that's why you were brought here. This is your chance to save Christmas, Claude. To help Santa, to help Roberta Claus. I need you to believe in me. I need you to believe in Christmas. And while I don't need you to believe totally that this secret, we need to get to the bottom of this. And we need to restart the fires of Christmas joy. I thought for a season we could let them die down to an ember and everything would be okay. And my judgment seems to have been wrong. And I wanted to ask your brother, do we have time? Can we go for, you know, I had so many questions. 
But she just said, will you help me? And I said, yes. And she said, we have to get to work. And I said, well, Roberta, what can we possibly do? How could we fight an unknown force that might even be in opposition to us? Well, what do we... And she said, we'll do it with Christmas joy, Claude. It's going to be fine. Let's get to work. And with that, I, I cast my... Well, actually, she took my hand and patted it in a way... And then, believe it or not, the way I'd found her was through Spackle the Elf, and Spackle was with me, I mean, outside down the street, and I told her about Spackle. But we'll have to see what happens. The next thing we planned on doing was was figuring out how to get to, what was it, you know, figuring out the secret Santa stuff. So I'll file my next report soon. I'm thanking you for listening. And I'm hoping by putting out this report that it starts to stoke the Christmas fire in you, in the present, or in the future. And know that the fire can burn in you the Christmas joy, the Christmas love. In the belief in Roberta Claus, for she is real, as real as Santa Claus once was. And I hope you'll join us on our journey to safe Christmas. This is Claude Neon reporting. Thank you and good night.